0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The Word of God, the Bible, declares to you and I, as the Apostle John is writing in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, it reads like this. We love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Now, let me unpack it just a little bit as we jump into our study. The love of God has for the world, and the love that Christ has for the church, think about this, it was written in blood, on a wooden cross 2,000 years ago. That's the love he had for us. And the future day of judgment should not hold any fear for you and I. You see, we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says this to you and I. For there is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love? Yeah, perfect love, divine love. The holy love of God, which he first loved us, is surely established and should be at the highest point of our lives. We love him because he first loved us. You've heard people from time to time say, oh, I found God. I don't think you did. He wasn't lost. He found you and he loved you. And as a natural response, you go, I love him. I love him. Well, why do you love God? Because he first loved me. A lot of people misunderstand that, but we're going to see that today. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about that, and of course, it reminded me of that amazing song, right? And and it's it, it just, the lyrics go like this, oh, how I love Jesus. Do you remember that? Oh, how I love Jesus. And, and And I started thinking about this, and I said, what are the lyrics? What are the lyrics? Well, you know he says, oh, how I love Jesus, because he first loved me. But listen to this. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. It tells me of a Savior's love who died and set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. You know, sitting in my office this week studying this and thinking about what we're going to talk about it, it really hit home. Oh, how I love Jesus. To think about what my Jesus went through for me. And we're not even, he's not even on the cross yet. And I find it hard that as believers we tend to, oh, I know I love Jesus, but, and I'm going to step over that line, So, I've entitled today's message, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Why? Uh, Today, listen, we discover that our Jesus, who has been beaten, spat on, hit, and now will be crucified, did it because he loves you so much. You see, the world is standing there going, does anybody care? Does anybody love me? And Jesus put out his arm and says, I do, as they nailed him to a cross. That's what we need to take home today. That's what we need to walk out with. The fact that learning about the crucifixion should help us grow in a deeper walk, in a deeper love for him. I'll try not to be too graphic, but I want to paint pictures that tugs on your heart and says, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Now, remember where we left off last week. Jesus had went to the final trial before Pilate. You guys remember, there were six trials in all, six, okay? There were three religious trials and three political trials. Now, the three religious trials, you and I, dis- we discovered they were both immoral and illegal. The way they did that, we would be going, no, 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 it's wrong, it's fraud, it's false, come on! But then he moved into the political trial. And we saw those very quickly. As, as, as you're reminded, Matthew doesn't spend a whole lot of time, but he gives us the last one. We saw the last one with Jesus and Pilate, but we also switched channels over to Judas. So we were watching Pilate, we were watching this trial, right? And you could hear it, dun-dun, law and order, right? Dun-dun, and you saw that, but then over over here where we saw Judas. And what did we learn about Judas, church? Something very, very important. You go, what was that? We learned that, that that Judas came back to the chief priest and he was remorseful. Remorseful. Well, if you recall and you're taking notes, remorseful is this. Not a sorrow for sin that leads to a change of mind and action. You know what sorrow is or remorseful? It's regret being caught. Regret being caught. A remorse that leads to despair. You see, Judas was bummed because he got caught. There was a little bit of conviction, but not enough for him to repent. And God calls us to repent from our sin. That's huge. Well, why didn't Jesus? Re- why didn't Judas repent? Well, remember what we learned. This was so good. We said what Judas should have done, and you and I are really good at admonishing Judas, aren't we? Hey, Judas, you know, listen, if I was having a cup of coffee with Judas, I'd say, bro, why didn't you repent? You knew it. He goes, yeah, I knew. How did he know? Well, remember, Jesus gave him a wonderful opportunity of repentance. You see, Jesus was still going to go to the cross. Jesus was still going to die for the sins of mankind. But Judas didn't have to be an instrument of that. He had already betrayed him. He said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I need to repent of that. You are king of kings and lord. Well, Ben, how did he know? He had been walking with Jesus. I'll tell you why. Cause you remember, you remember that Judas's heart was so hard that he couldn't repent. He couldn't. You see, the original Greek text reads like this. I have sinned betraying the innocent blood. Not just innocent. I didn't just, he wasn't just innocent. It was the innocent blood. Judas knew. He knew. And he didn't repent. You see, the innocent blood means that Judas knew that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the one, this is the innocent blood, the innocent blood that would redeem the world, that would redeem you and I, that would reconcile us back to God. That was the innocent blood. You see, Judas then go, hey, I just betrayed some teacher. I don't know, he, he did some pretty cool things, but he's just a teacher. It'll be all right. He goes, oh my You know what he was saying in essence? I betrayed God. I betrayed the God. And that takes a toll on a person. That takes a toll on a person. And yet Judas didn't repent. Oh, he was remorseful. He walked away in despair. He was like, oh, oh. And I have to stop a moment. Remember, we stopped and we thought, hey. Do you ever wonder... If you ever get to the place where you know, but you can't repent, you ever wonder if there is a heart that has crossed that line? They know. They know. They know. They know the only way to be saved is Jesus, and they won't come back to him. Well, as we come to our text today, keep in mind, keep in mind how much Jesus loves us. You see, Jesus loved Judas, and even in the midst of betraying him, he said, friend, what are you here for? You see, Judas didn't call him master, didn't call him Lord, but Jesus called him friend. Nobody in hell today is going, I didn't know. I I was blindsided by this. Jesus loves us so much that He literally did everything he could to reconcile us back to Him. Well, does Jesus send people to does God send God doesn't send anyone to hell it's a choice. Well, I'm not going to choose. You've already made a choice. You've already made a choice. Before we jump into our text in verse 26, can I ask you a question? What have you done with the innocent blood of Jesus? Have you put your faith and trust in him? Have you opened up your heart and said, yes, I'm going to follow him? Have you repented of your sin? Oh, man, I just came to church, dude, chill. In a moment after our study, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come back to him. So let's jump into our text, verse 26, as a run and go. Notice verse 26 of Matthew 27 as we jump in. It says, Then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. See how Matthew writes real quick? Just a, just a quick, but we, we wanna, there's several things in here we, we consider as we open our hearts this morning. You go, what's that? I want you to note with me, they released a known murderer. He was known as an insurrectionist. You go, Ben, what's an insurrectionist? It's a violent uprising against authority. That's who he was. It was violent, okay? Brabus didn't just jaywalk, okay? Brabus didn't just run a red light. He was a murderer. He was an insurrectionist. And I just think this is who they let go. You go, well, what happened to Barabbas after they let him go? What, what, Whatever happened to him? Well, the Bible doesn't give us no clue. And secular history doesn't help. Did he go back to a life of crime? I don't know. Was he affected by the prisoner exchange? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? You know Jesus is innocent. You know you're guilty. You know you're looking at the family. That you may have murdered. You, and you're looking at them and going, not that you murdered, you guys understand. You're looking at the family of someone you murdered in there, and you're looking at them going, <laughs> and you look at Jesus, and, and then now all of a sudden, his life for yours? <sighs> wow. Whoa, that's deep. That's heavy. See, nobody knows what happened to Barabbas. But I do want to say this. The choices available to Barabbas were available to all. Surrender to God in grateful acknowledgement of what Christ has done for us, or spurn the gift and continue living apart from the Lord. That's what he's saying. The second thing we noticed in the text is they scourged him. They scourged him. And again, this refers to being beaten with a whip. It's called a cat of nine tails. Okay? And a cat of nine tails, there was nine on them, and they often had bits of bone, rock, and um, metal. And what they would do is they would take the prisoner, they would put him over like a, you ever remember the old westerns where it was, where they tied the horse up? It'd, it'd be over like this so that his back was exposed and stretched out. And they took the cat of nine tails and they whip him. And as soon as it caught in, they would rip. Matthew says they scourged him. But you and I, with further study, we go, wow. Wow. They used to give a prisoner 40 lashes. They gave Jesus 39. Now, I'm going to share something a little bit later on on this, but I want you to just kind of keep that in mind. Okay? Okay. Let me just say this to you. If you were to look at Jesus back when he was done, it was probably just shredded flesh on his back. Okay? You go, wow. He's headed towards the crucifixion, so you need to buckle your seatbelts. He's, he's headed to the crucifixion. Notice. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus, where? Into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. So what do they do? They took Jesus and it's called the praetorium. If you go to Israel today and you go to Jerusalem, you can actually go in there. They've excavated the ground of the praetorium in the Antonio Fortress. So you can actually go in there. Keep in mind, I'm going to see if I can paint a picture. The The rock on the bottom is very rough. Because horses went through there and it's, and it's, so it's not smooth stone. Now, it's, it's been smoothed out because of the pilgrims that have gone through there, but it's normally a really rough stone. Okay? And it's in the praetorium. If you were to look at the Temple Mount, the Antonio Fortress would be off to my right, if you will, and that's kind of where, where they, they brought Jesus. Okay? Now, the Roman guards during this time, Okay, in order to pass the time between boredom or they were, um, you know, they were just waiting for the next prisoner to come or just whatever, they would play a game called, jot this down, it was called the King's Game. The King's Game. You go, what was the King's Game? It was an actual board game that the Romans that was etched into the stone And you go, why is that important? Because you can go to this place in the praetorium and you can get down and you'll see where the soldiers actually scratched the board game. They would use dice, guys. They would use dice carved from sheep knuckles and they would move tokens around and they called it the king's game. Part of the king's game is if you won, you got to beat the prisoner. You're like, what? This game, known to historians as Basilius, has been found throughout the Roman Empire. Whenever soldiers were fighting off boredom, many Christian scholars have considered the irony of the king's game at the very place where a century earlier Roman soldiers mocked Jesus, and what did they call him? King of the Jews. So here they are playing the king's game. Part of the king's game is they were going to make the prisoner a king. Well, they weren't going to put on a beautiful gold crown. Instead, they wove a crown of thorns and shoved it on Jesus' head. They put on a purple robe. You guys understand, when when you're bloodied, you don't want to put anything on because it'll rip it off. So now he's got a purple robe stained with blood, stuck to his back. You got that, okay? But notice what they did in verse 28. And they stripped him and put on a robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed on his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat on him and took a reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took off the robe, or they took the robe off him, put on his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now, this is just the beginning. Most scholars believe that he was stripped down to what we would call our underpants. Okay? Some say he was wearing nothing at all. I'll leave that up to you. But it does say that he was beaten. They took a reed and they would hit him, okay? On another translation, another gospel says they actually blindfolded him and they would hit him. They would punch him in the face and then say, Hey, prophesy, who hit you? Now, I'm not talking like, you understand that. I'm not talking they went like this. Who was it? It's, they hit the prisoner. They hit him. The text doesn't tell us. It says that he scourged him. Not sure. I'm pretty sure this could have been before or right after. But here's what you got. You've got a man. You've got a man who's both man and God. He's been beaten. You know when somebody's beaten. They're bloodied. They're swollen. There's blood. Okay. He is body is going into major... Oh, I don't even know how you could say it. I mean, think about 39 lashes with the flesh ripped off. 39 lashes. But let me tell you something about scourging. Now, I don't want to be too graphic, but I think it's important because I want your heart to go, oh, how I love Jesus. They put you over the pole, and they, t- they do that. Your back was spread out, and they would hit you one time as hard as they could. The purpose was to, for you to confess Tell me your crime. Boom. When you confessed, okay, I did it, I did it. They would, the intensity would lessen as they got to 20 and 29 and 30. You understand that, right? Boom. What did you do? Now, once you confessed, they'd hit you hard because they wanted you to give up. Who was with you? Pastor Soul? Oh, okay. You know, they wanted to. They wanted, right? Mike Shoga. Just, I'll just spill it, man. Before they hit me, it's all y'all. <laughs> I'll give up people who weren't even there, you know. I have a PDF right here. Take it. Jesus didn't confess anything. So the beatings intensified. It didn't lessen. They hit him harder trying to get a confession out of him. Can you imagine, with blood everywhere and nothing left on his back, at 38, trying to get a confession out of him? Oh. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. not sure where they had thorns but it seems like they played this game often so they would take a thorn the thorns were about 2 inches long they wouldn't go into the skull cuz the skull bone is too hard they would actually push down and it would go into and just Oh we're going to play we're playing we're playing the king's game come here oh i get to do this You see to the Roman soldiers He wasn't a savior. He was simply a criminal to you and I. He should be our all in all. Our all in all. Do you ever stop and wonder why the enemy fights so hard against our Jesus? Like like you can call God anything. You can call anything God, right? Oh, that's God. That's the the great spirit in the sky or that's whatever. You mention the name of Yahshua, Jesus, and the enemy goes nuts. This is why. Because... This is the one who's reconciling us back to him. Two inches long, crushed upon his head. There he is. His face didn't even look like a face, guys. It's just bloodied. You go, Ben, why why was he beaten? Now, here's what I want you to see. He was beaten for this reason, and this is one you need to take to heart. Because he physically, so we can be healed, and spiritually, salvation. How so? Look at Isaiah chapter 53, 4 and 5. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now let me stop right there, okay? Would you please jot this down? I know it's hard to read on this screen, I'm sorry, but Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Let me give you a common mistake that people will do. They will look at verse five and say, by his stripes were healed. Oh, that had, that's physical. That's physical. That's not physical. If you do a Hebrew study, if you'll underline, born our griefs and carried our sorrows, that's physical. That's where we can ask for physical healing. Lord, you carried this. You born them. We esteemed you stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. We can pray for healing. I believe it. Then it goes on in verse five, but he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, that's spiritual. That's where we get saved. We get saved. Right here. Right here. By his stripes. Now, without going real deep, think about wounds and think about bruises. Wounds are outside and bruises are inside. What's the difference? A transgression is going, oh, I'm sorry, I trespassed. I didn't know this was a sin. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to. Okay. When you're walking on someone, hey, there's, you can't do that. Oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I didn't realize this. That's a transgression, a trespass. Everybody got that? He was wounded for those, but he was bruised for iniquities. You go, what's iniquity? Well, you know the line, you know it's sin, and you go, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. That's iniquity. You go, Ben, why are you telling us this? Well, think about it, guys. For our transgression, he was wounded on the outside, but you know what? He was bruised. That's an inside thing. Sometimes on the outside, when we make a step, we go, oh, I'm sorry, it was an out, outward thing. But you know what you have to do to do an iniquity? You have to think about it. You have to know what's wrong, and you have to do it anyway. That's a heart issue. Jesus died for our heart issues. I don't want to be too graphic, but let's look at verse 30 again, guys. Look at verse 30. It says, Then they spat on him and took a reed and struck him on the head. Now, what I want you to know is in the game, in the king's game, here's what would happen. Part of the king's game was how much spit you could get on the criminal. So it wasn't just... You guys understand. I'm not going to be graphic, but it was, I'm going to try to get the largest amount of saliva in my mouth deep from here and spit on him. Okay? That was part of the game. That was part of the game. (sighs) If someone were to spit on you today, that is an instant insult. You can do anything you want to me. We can have words. We can talk. We can slap. We can punch. We can wrestle. Don't spit on me. Don't spit on me. And here, my Jesus. Now, remember, so now you have a bloodied, and now it's full. He's just wet, full of spit. You have a bloodied, spit, wet, Mocked, beaten, swollen, disfigured Jesus. And my Jesus is standing there not saying anything. And as I thought about this as I was sitting in my office, I wanna—I wonder if Jesus thought the very spit glands that I created in you are being used to mock me. The very hands that I created. So you see, I created your fist to hold things, not to punch me. I created your arms and I gave you muscles. Because I know you would need them to push yourself up and do things. And the very things that I created, you're using to beat me. I created you. You go, Pastor, what's the point? You ready? Oh, how I love Jesus. That even before the cross, that he would go through all of this. You see, if it was me, I would be confessing before I even got flaw- scourged. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't. I, I, you see, I didn't do anything wrong. No, no. Normally we do. So now Jesus is on his way. We call it the Via della Rosa. He's on his way to Calvary, to the place of the skull. Look at verse 32. Now, as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled them to bear his cross. Now, if you're an underliner, that's a good verse to underline. You go, Ben, I don't know. Why? Why, why, why? Okay, well, let's unpack it. It's very good. Simon is a Cyrene, and he's mentioned in Matthew, he's mentioned in Mark and Luke. He was the one who carried the cross of Jesus, um to the location of his death. Jesus was so weak. Now it wasn't a T-shaped cross, guys. It wasn't up here. It was basically um there was a top which tells us what kind of cross there was because they put an inscription. So he carried the cross beam. The cross beam was about a hundred pounds. They would tie it to him. Well Jesus is so weak, he's so beaten, he's Isaiah says we don't even recognize him. You're like going who's that? And he's carrying the cross beam, and it's so hard that, that the soldiers go, man, we'll, we'll be here all day. He keeps falling every five seconds. Are you kidding? Get up. So, the, so all of a sudden, Simon Cyrene comes out, and they say, hey, listen, you're going to take this cross. Now, here's what I want you to see. Cyrene, guys, if you're taking note, is actually located in Libya. Libya. Many have suggested that Simon was a dark-skinned African man who would come to Jerusalem during the Passover. Here's what I want you to see. If you were to go from Cyrene to Jerusalem, it was 783 miles. Now, that's about a 10-hour trip by car doing 65 to 75 miles an hour. How long would it take to walk? If you walked eight hours by yourself, you would get there in 20 days. Okay, 20 days. If you had little ones, you're not walking eight hours. So you, you understand, here, here he is. Here he is. He's leaving for the Passover a month ahead. I'm going to go through Egypt over to Jerusalem because I'm going to worship the Lord. It's the Passover. Oh. You understand, he's walking for 25 to 30 days. You and I have trouble walking from our desk to the kitchen. He happens to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. He comes out. They go, hey, come here. Oh, man, who, me? No, 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 no. Pick up his cross and help him. Guess what? The moment Simon picked up the cross, he's defiled. He can't celebrate the Passover. He can't celebrate it. He's done. Wait a minute. What? I I'm disqualified? Take the cross. So everything was wasted. Think about this in your mind, guys. Money, how much money did he spend? He's coming for the Passover, got to spend. You got to have food, 20 days. Right? There's not a McDonald's. You can't put a little thing and, you know, this is I mean, money, lodging, where did he sleep? Did he I mean, think about this, travel expenses, the kids, was this all a waste? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Likely, most likely, he felt the blood of Jesus and even touched the broken body on the day Jesus died. The unique experience led him to faith in Jesus. Do you realize that? Why? Because according to the book of Acts, it says people from Cyrene were among the first Christian believers at the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 10. Perhaps Simon, Alexander, and Rufus were among those who believed. What if he believed? He's a he's a believer. He's a believer. You go, well, Ben, what's some what's some application? I want you to think of Simon for just a minute and then we'll keep going. Simon gathers his family around, says, Hey guys, we're we're gonna go to the Passover. We're going to have to leave about a month early because I know I have little ones and we have, you know, and if we don't buy a sheep there, we have to take our own sheep and we have to make sure. So we're going to leave a little bit early, right? It's not Joe Mabry early, right? He gets there half hour. I mean, he has to, they have to leave early, early, 30 days. It's probably in the line of the Mayberry clan somewhere in there. I'm just saying. So he leaves early. He has to calculate his expenses. It's going to cost me so much money but I love God, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. He comes in and he's going, okay, so I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray as we're walking in, oh, I'm going to reconcile with God, this is so sweet. All of a sudden you see this criminal walking by and it's like, hey, you, come. And all of a sudden he goes, no, 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 if I touch the cross, no, 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 I can't touch blood, I won't be able to participate in the Get over here, and he does, and he takes it to the place called the skull. And you go, "Then well, how does that apply to me? listen. The blood that Jesus shed on that day would seem like a total loss to Simon. Everything. Are you kidding me? He took the cross, he throws it down, he says, I'm going home. You, now I've got to spend another 20 to 30 days walking back. It's all a waste, do you understand? No, 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 no. Listen, church, listen, listen. He got saved. And I ask the question to you, what struggles, what hardships What setbacks, what trials in your life actually led you to Jesus? You see, we look back and go, man, I can't believe my life. But it was actually God using those things, not creating them, using them to where you are today. It's all about perspective. See, you and I would have looked at Simon and said, dude, you got the worst luck, man. If it wasn't for bad luck, you've had no luck at all, but quite the contrary. God goes, No, watch this. He's going to get saved, and he's going to be able to tell his kids, Guess what? Well, Dad, wasn't that a waste? It was not a waste. I met Jesus. More than the Passover, all the hardships we face, kids, are saved. And when you get to heaven, you'll be able to go to Simon here and go, wow, tell us about that. He goes, oh, wow. If I would have known the blood that was on me. I mean, I was first I was disgusted. I was like, I don't want anybody else's blood on me. I didn't want to do this. I feel defiled was the very thing that saved me. So the question is, even today, what is God trying to do to bring you closer to him? What... What difficulties are you facing that you need to feel the breath of God on your face? That's what He's talking about. You see, church, God is working even today. People are still getting saved. Things that happened in our lives God can use. Just keep trusting Him. Keep trusting Him. I promise you, That's who God is. Verse 33. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him, divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among, for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch, over him there and they put over on his head the accusation written against him this is jesus king of the jews church if you go to israel we are planning a trip save your money if you go to israel you can actually go to the place where you see the skull now, it's been eroded for 2,000 years, so you, you can still see it. You can see what it looked like back in the 1900s. It looks like a skull, and it's right by a bus station. It's actually, and anyway, I won't go there, but it's a there's a bus station, and, and, it, and it drives right, and this would have been the main road that people walked up into the Passover, and they would have looked to the right and saw the cross. The cross was only up about two feet off the ground. So, this is about two feet right here. So, if you're walking, it'd have been right here, and you would have been able to read what he said. And you're, this would have been the pathway. And you can go there today and see the place of the skull. You can see it. I've seen it. I'm convinced. I'm looking at it going, mm hmm, mm hmm. This is Jesus. They would take and already dig a hole. So they'd have to, they'd have the main beam of the cross already laying there. They'd take Jesus, they would cut it like this. You carpenters know what I'm talking about. They'd nail it and then he's already tied and then they would nail his hands. Right? They would nail his wrists because there's no cartilage or anything in here to hold it. He would have to, okay, so he would have to pull up his feet to take a breath. And so he would put it right here or else he would have just flown through. So he's tied but he's going, That's why they would break the legs of prisoners, okay, because then all of a sudden if he couldn't lift anymore, they would simply die. And they, they would do that. They'd go, Oh, we, we gotta we gotta hurry this up. The shortest time obviously was Jesus, okay? From nine to three he was gone. The longest time was thirteen days. Can you imagine being on the cross thirteen days? They would take his feet and nail like this and put one nail in between that so he could lift up. He had a little he had a little stump. Well, there's Jesus. Think about this. He's bloodied his back, his ribbon, he's he's beaten, he's spat on his all that. And then they take him, nail him, and then they drop him in the cross. That would have been excruciating. As a matter of fact, the word excruciating comes from the cross. Excruciating. Notice the accusation. It's not an accusation. You can't accuse someone of being king of the Jews. It's actually a statement. They're saying, we're going to accuse him. What's his crime? He he said he was king of the Jews. Now, notice the accusation is the statement, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. Then the two robbers who were crucified with him, one on the right and the other on the left. So remember, now he's got two robbers. But I wonder, guys, I wonder, and you put a little question mark, I wonder if these were Barabbas' cohorts, right? His partners in crime. All three were busted. Dun dun, right? Went to went and even Barabbas is going, man, I'm lucky. What would Barabbas say? I was saved. How were you saved? Well Jesus exchanged his life for mine. Wait a minute, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. So now you have one on the right and one on the left. Well, what's going on down, down below? Two feet off the ground and those who passed by, look at verse 39, blasphemed him, wagging their heads. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And here's what they're saying. You who destroyed the temple and built it in three days. save yourself! If, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. The cross. Guys, okay, so when I look at those verses, that immediately brings conviction to my heart. And, and you go, why? Because there are times in our lives when we, we do the same thing. No, 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 no. We're not telling if you are God, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. We know he's God. But listen, there are times in our life we go, if you're God, do this or do this. If you're really real, do this and do this. Or we'll say something like, if you really loved me, I went to went through that. And see, that brings conviction. But not conviction that's going to bring condemnation. Go, oh, forget it. It's going to bring going, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be these people. Because it says, likewise, the chief priest also mocked with the scribes and the elders. Here's what they were saying. He saved others and he cannot save himself. If he is king of Israel, let him come down from the cross, and we will believe. Can you imagine? You know what? You can actually write a sermon on this saying not everything is as it seems. They're seeing the outward. Well, if you're really God, come down from the cross. See, I knew you wouldn't. And he was had a bigger plan. He had a bigger plan. He trusted in God. Let him deliver now if, if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Notice verse 44. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now, this is before the one got saved. So, early morning, he's hanging. These guys are like, Yeah, if you're, if you're God, get us down. Come on, if you, you claim to be the son of. And they're mocking him as well. And they're mocking him as well. The crucifixion was developed by Rome. And they were usually performed every year at the same locations, which is very accessible to the public. The upright portion of the cross is always reminded there are holes on the ground at these locations, so they were always there. Most of the victims would not be able, physically able of carrying the entire cross. That's why Simon was there. Another reason the Romans wanted an upright cross was to remain visible at all times and what they would do is they would remind people if you mess with Rome, this is what you get. This is what you get. These are the consequences of wrongdoing. So my Jesus is on the cross. My Jesus is on the cross. Isaiah says he's unrecognizable. Why did He do this? Why did He do this? Because He loves us. You see, there's an old song that used to say, when I was on the cross, when He was on the cross, I was on His mind. And can you imagine 2,000 years ago, as Jesus looked out on the cross, He was thinking about you. Oh, Oh, Joe's coming to know me. I'm gonna. Oh, oh wow. Oh, Rosa, yes, yes. In Hebrews, the Bible says, "For the joy of cross set before me, he endured the cross for the joy." What joy? There's no joy. Did I paint any joy here? You're the joy. You're the joy. You're the joy. I just I just think wow next week you can't miss next week we're gonna see the day that God died. He's literally gonna die on the cross for our sins. But as we close, here's my prayer. My prayer is that I painted enough of a picture where you go, wow, Ben. Wow. And I pray that I painted that you would see Jesus, what he did even before he died. Listen, it, it can't be, whoa, well, you know what Jesus did on the cross for me? That's why I'm saying. You see, we, we, we need to take sin seriously and repent. Can I get a good amen? amen. Okay, we need to repent. We can't take our Christianity lightly. Oh, I'm yeah, I'm a Christian, praise God, I'm a Christian. in Texas. I'm a, Texas, yeah, Texas, I'm a Christian. I'm Loma. We We can't do that. Christianity is much more. You look at Jesus, you go, wow, for me. And it makes us humble. And it brings the love of God into our lives. Think about this. I want you to think about this for a second. Would you die for somebody you love? And you go, of course. Of course. Listen, if it was me or my family, take me. I'll, I, I'll lay down my life. If it was me or my grandkids, take me. Not a problem. Well, Ben, what about, what about all the criminals and the hardened and all the all the people who did who who were hoodlums last night and all the people who drank and smoked and got in trouble and, and did all would you die for them? No way. I don't even like them much. No, you know what I'm saying. You would not you would not do that. You wouldn't. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us okay you know what he's saying here he's not waiting for you to get clean he's not waiting for you to go hey i'm going to clean myself up i'm going to let me before i before i come to church before i come to god i'm going to i'm going to try to get my life in order i'm going to try it's okay that's not what he says. He says, "While you were a mess up, while you were just out there doing, living the vida loca, not paying attention, doing whatever you wanted to do, living your life for you." God goes, "I love you, and I'm going to die for you." That's love. That's love. Well, Ben, you know what? I know a lot of people that they're not going to come to God ever. Hey, keep praying. They will. They will. We have to take our Christianity, we have to take our Christianity seriously, man. We represent the Lord. The banner over the cross, guess what banner is over your life? I'm a Christ-like. People are looking at you going, oh, you look a lot like Jesus. We take it seriously. It's not flippantly that we go, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, yeah. I, I got a bumper sticker on my car and I, I listen to Caleb. I mean, I'm school, that's cool. No, no, no. We're disciples. This is what Matthew says. He's pulling us to be disciples. Can I let you in on something? When it comes to disciples, most of them got killed for their faith. Who's in? They're like, no, I am. What an honor it would be to die for my Jesus but I don't have to because he already died for me. But that's the life that we need to live, a life of discipleship. There's a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music to my ear, the sweetest name on earth. It it tells me of a Savior's love who died and set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. Come on. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. One more time. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you. We thank you for dying on the cross for us, for taking all of our shame, all of our iniquities, all of our transgressions. Maybe you're here today and you hadn't surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe today you're struggling with that and the Lord began knocking on your heart. And you say, Pastor Ben... I don't know if I have that relationship that you're talking about. I think I'm a Christian, but I but talking about repent and relationship and walking with God and and being a disciple that's not me. I'm a little worried. I I want I want that. Well, maybe you're here today and and God's knocking on your heart. And he says, "Hey, today's the day." Now here's the problem. All of a sudden you go, "Oh, wait a minute." In reality, people are going to think it doesn't matter what people think. All that matters is that between you and God, he's already moving in your heart. So I want to give you an opportunity. What's the opportunity? I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to God, but once and for all. This isn't going back and forth. Hey, I'm going I'm to go out next weekend and do this and this. This is once, this is you. I'm going to commit my life to Jesus once and for all. I'm going to be a fully devoted follower of God. I'm going to repent of the things I'm doing, and I'm going to follow Jesus. And if that's you, I want to invite you this morning. With every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? You you said exactly who I am. I want to repent from my sins. I'm ready to give my life to God. God bless you over here to to my left. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. It's between you and the Lord. Anyone else? Just give me the opportunity. I'm ready to to surrender. I repent. I'm giving my life to God. Just want to give you anyone else. Listen to what God is saying to your heart right now. He's saying, I died for you. I have a plan for you. It's amazing, but you got to let me in. Take the first step and lift up your hand so I can acknowledge you. If you're watching online, all you have to do is lift up your hand. God sees you. If you'll do me a favor, if you lifted up your hand and you're serious, would you just, in your own words, pray a prayer, something that goes like this. God, I am sorry for my sin. But more than being sorry, I repent of the lifestyle that I've lived. I've walked so far from you. And today, the scales fell from my eyes. I see, I see, I need you. Lord, I can't do this life on my own. I can't, I need you, Jesus. So I'm asking you, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God, be my friend. I'm going to follow you from today for forever. I'm going to be a born-again, Fully devoted follower of God, in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Hey, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Talia close us out after this song. But if you are a if you are a guest, we have a gift for you. Elizabeth is going to be at the info counter. It's just right outside the door. If you'll come, say hi to her. She'll talk to you. She'll give you a gift, and uh, please don't run off. Please don't run off. Want to remind you tonight, tonight we have our prayer meeting at five to six. Please come be here at five. We'll pray. We'll pray for your families and we'll pray for all those. We're going to see what God is going to do in 23. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. You agree? Amen. God bless you guys. Todd going to close us out after this song. Love you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.